head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Priceline. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place, whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. For me, my happy place is in the Mediterranean. I think I've mentioned that. Maybe it's why I like Love Island so much because they're right by the Mediterranean. But I just love the feeling of being in the sea and it's just a great sea. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals. And you even get to choose your crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. And for me, I'd love to go on a trip to the Mediterranean with friends. In fact, I might be doing that in the near future. I have done it before, And it was really some of the most fun I've ever had. I went to Sicily. We had some great swimming there, me and my friends. Anyway, if you want to have a similar experience, download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm excited because I am joined today by my friend, Wesley Morris. Hello. Hi, Juliet. Oh, my God. How are you doing? You're using your weird voice that you also use for your voicemail and with servers at restaurants. It's super weird. You just, like, drop a register. I mean, it is early in the morning. And as I tell people when they get my voicemail, this is what I sound like when I wake up in the morning. Okay. I don't know what to say. It's It's early. Um, I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast. You were texting me about Emmanuel Acho on Monday night, and I was surprised because you don't watch The Bachelor. And I was like, this is great. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I do not watch that show, but every once in a while, I do. You, you drop know, in. The truth about me and my television consumption is basically that I, um, I'm a channel surfer. Uh, before I decide to break, you know, the way TV Mm -hmm. works now, I don't know how, how it works for you and for everybody else out there, but my relationship to it is everything is sort of cordoned off. And so I will begin my relationship with TV when I don't have an appointment by watching New York one for a little bit, Mm because I live in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and you have have uh, spectrum then. So I start, yeah, I start a bit. I mean, it's, it's really, truly I start, at no, I start at one, sure. I go up to two, which is CBS. I go then <laughs> to three, which is TNT, watch a little basketball for a little while. Nice. Or if okay. there's a Mission Impossible movie on, I'll just stick with that for a minute. Um, you go up to four and that's, I think that's, what's four? Four NBC. is- Is that NBC? NBC? Okay. Yeah. Uh, five is Fox. Six yes. is Nick at Night because I watch a lot of Friends and a lot of what? Mom. Okay, what's on Nick at Night these days? That's the int- friends, I, I, friends, 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 okay. friends. But Nick at Night is Viacom. Interesting that they have the licensing up for that. They won't. Yeah. Long. And then seven is NBC, and so or ABC. Seven, sorry. seven is ABC. Yeah. ABC. So you know, I usually watch a little bit of Bachelor. I've seen. I, I watch all the network shows at least for five to twenty minutes, <laughs> always. Like I've seen every network show Monday through Friday during this pandemic for at least 20 minutes every single week My God. Um, or many weeks. I mean, most nights I'm, I read before I go to bed, but many other nights I'm watching TV. But before I go into the streaming apps, I watch my cable like, like a 90-year-old person. Well, it's funny you say that. I have YouTube TV. I do not have cable anymore. 
YouTube mm. TV is kind of pricey, but I do love it. I do channel surfing as well. On Saturday mornings, I wake up and I'm like, what movie can I watch on cable right now? <laughs> and as a result, I've recently watched Crazy Rich Asians, which is a great movie. I really love it. Oh, Julia, don't get carried away. Sorry. It's, I just it's, it's a great cable it's movie. Fine. It's, it's a great super, cable movie. Yes. It's it's, it's a great sort cable of movie. Where the rewatchables began. It's a great cable movie. And it makes me very excited <laughs> for In the Heights. Um, but I I'm I like love channel surfing too. It also like, is there a chip in Joanna Gaines that channel surfing? I don't think so. I don't. Think I don't get a... up that high though. I do wow. not get up that. I, high. But, I go but up maybe there. on YouTube TV, are you doing it a la carte that way? Is it just channels you want to watch? No, they they have like a set run. But this is like a hangover for me. It's like I used to, mm. you know, in like 2005, wake up and be like, "What can I watch on cable?" And I would go up to those channels. I would skip the networks and I would go all the way up. Yeah, I mean, what I, the, when I punch in a number, it's 406, which is the tennis channel. 300 or 301, which is ESPN and ESPN2. And then, um, s- oh shoot, of course I'm not going to remember it right now. I need the, I need the remote with me. I think it's six, <laughs> 653 is uh, TCM, Turner Classic oh, Movies, nice. which I watch. That's my CNN. I don't watch any news programs except for New York One. Um, me neither. And, and TCM, TCM is, I just want to know what's on. I'll watch like an hour and so, or sometimes an entire movie, depending on where it is in the movie. Like, um, what was on last night? A National Velvet was on last night. Oh my God. That was my favorite movie as a kid. I remember. I, I, <laughs> you I, stopped talking. <laughs> I rented it from my local video store and I just remember it like being by the door to return it. Like, so I wouldn't forget, but I just loved Loved, loved National Velvet. And yeah. I, was, I was pretty into Shirley Temple movies too. Um, yeah, National Velvet, really. I was captivated for a little while. It looked a little colorized. Like it just, it was a little too bright for me. And I watched it for about 15 minutes and then I went went and actually started watching what I turned on the TV to watch. Which was what? Um, I wanted to watch part four of the Woody Allen, Mia uh, Farrow thing. I also not, wanted to refresh. Not not doing that here. Oh no, well, we don't have to do it. But I will say... <laughs> Um, it's incredibly, incredibly convincing. It's just, it is, it is very convincing. Um, but I wanted to refresh my memory of what I'd watched on Tuesday, um, with respect to the bachelor. That was my, that was my main purpose, uh, in turning on my TV, watching the Woody Allen thing and watching that. And ABC did not make it easy. No. I just want to say, I watched it on Hulu. Yeah, it's well, you know, I think they were pushing people to Hulu because ABC owned Disney owns ABC and Hulu. So anyway, more on that in the future, I'm sure. You know, the D'Amelio show and the and the Kardashians are moving to Hulu, so it's like going to mm. be this bastion of reality TV in the in the future. I'm like kind of girding myself for it, but that's not <laughs> not not why we're here right now. Um, so did you watch the whole finale? And did you also I watch did. the whole after the final rose? I watched the, all of the after the final rose, and I watched a little bit of the finale. How much had you seen before that? this? I watched a little bit. I was familiar with listening to your podcast. I mean, you know this about... I mean, I've told you this many times. I do not watch this show. My pipelines for Bachelor knowledge are come from you and John Caramonica, like of the New York <laughs> Times, who writes occasionally about The Bachelor, but has a lot of feelings. And, OG Bachelor Party guest, John Caramonica. You're, you're one. And Jenna Wortham watches it occasionally too. I don't know how we have not talked about this season. We talked about it a little bit toward the end when things went, you know, off the rails. Mm-hmm. But um, I know she's also a Bachelor watcher. Yes, she is. I think I once emailed her about it. Anyway, um, I, I'm just curious. Like <laughs> flying in on this, what did you think? Like, what was your what was your reaction? It's funny. I, I don't typically ask people, like, what did you think about this? But it's such, like, a mess. And I am so deep in, like, Bachelor thinking that I, I'm curious for, like, people's fresher perspectives. As a listener, as a listener of this show, I sometimes do wonder about how things, you know, I know you know what the problems are in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a way that the show itself seems shocked that there are repercussions for things that happen <laughs> on its show. Um, and I watched a lot of Unreal and mm-hmm. I felt like the 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 way that show managed in its satire to to create a bubble, like an actual hothouse, 
to to grow these dramas among the contestants on these shows while also being completely oblivious or willfully oblivious to what's happening beyond the walls that it has built for these productions. I just find that that cognitive dissonance fascinating. Mm-hmm. So for me, if you're going to do all this touting of having this, you know, we've got our first Black Bachelor or, or you know, when Rachel Lindsay was the first Black Bachelorette, um, you know, they do they do all this patting on the back, but the 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 bones of the show it seems to me are made in these manufactured dramas. Oh and yeah. I I feel like the show has no imagination for drama involving black people that doesn't also involve racism. Mm. Now now in this case it wasn't that the show created this problem for for its contestants. This woman this woman her name is also Rachel, correct? Yes, correct. Um this is a thing she did when she wasn't even on the show. This was, by the way, three years ago. In my mind, I thought this had happened 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because Chris Harrison talked about it that way. He was like, 2018. Yeah, I mean, maybe. things were different yeah. back then. Yeah. I mean, I just had assumed this was way in the past. This happened like last week, basically. Um, so anyway, I watched, I've, I'm, I, I know enough I know everything that happened. I, I've watched enough. Um, I think the question that I have for you, Juliet, is do these things make you un- as uncomfortable as they make me? I feel the, the whole thing stresses me out in, in, in a way that has nothing to do with race or racism. It's just yeah. watching people watching people cringe yeah. and try to pretend that nothing is cringeworthy worthy stresses me out. A big, a big part of the conversation around The Bachelor this season, at least on this podcast, but I think in general, mm-hmm. is that it's not fun to like laugh at these people anymore. Right. There's no fun in the cringe. And I've been thinking a lot about the TV show Wipeout in my head as sort of like <laughs> the absolute opposite of what's going on here. Wipeout yes. is in, and also Floor is Lava, those kind, which is very much derivative of Wipeout. Those shows I've seen that. thrive I've seen a bit on like... A floor is lava or wipeout or both. Uh, floor is lava. Yeah. Well, wipeout big on TBS I've, Channel Eight. So I've seen <laughs> I've seen wipeout. I've seen a lo- enough of wipeout. It's like it just seems like it hurts when they fall in the off, totally. You know, it just they totally. never discuss pain, but it seems like it hurts. But it's like indiscriminate wipeouts, right? Literally, mm-hmm, like it mm-hmm. just it's like anyone and everyone is fair game to laugh at them falling, and that is like seems like such a. Um, luxury slogging through this season of the bachelor yeah. where you're just like, none of this is funny. This is really pointed of like, you know, of, of how this problematic young white woman is given this. She's like a main character and you don't really want to watch her, but you have no choice. And it just feels like the absolute opposite of white bad. I'm just like, give me some mindless television where I can laugh and, and not feel bad about cringing at these people. Yes. But please let I, somebody fall onto a giant plat inflated plastic ball. I've never, I've never been so desperate for a banana peel gag. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, I think that the, very frequently the after the final rose van and I discussed this. I love a reality TV reunion often better mm. than the show itself. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. In The Bachelor's most poignant, not poignant, but like their most like punctuated moments is usually very hard to watch. I've been thinking about the Becca and Ari finale from a few years ago where mm-hmm. Ari breaks up with Becca on camera and like as like a real shithead move, like wow. they're engaged and he doesn't tell her and he blindsides her at this breakup and like one of their ha- happy couple, quote unquote, happy couple weekends. And um, this was like so much worse, but I, a lot of it has been made of the silences on the after the final rose. Oh, yeah. That's like a th- and and you know there's some say that the filming of that was actually six hours. Some say, I also heard it was three. Whatever it was, it was much longer. Than six hours. That's definitely possible, but yeah. I, you I don't mean know. this one that we just watched with 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 uh, yes. Matt and and yes. Whoa. Apparently. So there's a lot we didn't see, and they chose to use precious minutes, seconds on television to show silences, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to like mm-hmm. show Manuel Acho being like, "Would you like to have one final embrace?" Oh. And, no oh, one moves. Yeah. Oh God, that is like that was the creepiest moment of the whole. I mean, of all. I mean, just would you like to hug this woman that you clearly don't even have words for? Yeah. Read the room, sir. Okay. So, what do you think of Acho? A, a lot of varied opinions. I'll just say my 
on the record opinion is I think he did a good job with the role he was dealt. But I'm curious what you think. I was in, I admired his smoothness. I admired his presence. Um, not his physical presence, but he was, was he had presence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, he, but he did seem somewhat disconnected from, I felt like he was basically doing everything Chris Harrison would have done with the exception of, you know, identifying with Matt as black men. Mm -hmm. And then I think I identifying with, um, oh geez, what's the, what's the first, what's the number up Nate, Michelle, um, identifying with her as a, as a, as a black person. But I think that those were nominal identifications and didn't lead to any sort of discursive revelatory, revelatory connection between these two people. He was, I don't know if he was in a difficult position in that he was meant to like, he was filling in for Chris Harrison, but could only bring, but so much of his feelings about, but see, I've read the book. I mean, the book, well, we're not, you, you can't see me, but I've, you can see me, Julia, but like, I, I'm pointing to where the book on my bookshelf, <laughs> I've read Emmanuel Acho's book. Um, <laughs> I did it. I did it in about, you know, three hours. And, um, I, I just feel like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not surprised by the questions he actually asked. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know, his relationship to his blackness is, um, I mean, reading that book, it's so much about, it's aggrieved in this, in this sort of, he's discovered that, that, that there is a kind of black grievance or, or that he can be aggrieved as a black person. It's, it's really interesting. And watching him talk to Matt and Michelle and, you know, Rachel too, obviously, um, he was fulfilling the host function, but, but not giving you the the thing that not giving me anyway, the thing that I wanted as a viewer, which is to see this rare thing happen, which is on, on, uh, in a space like this on national TV, on ABC, which does have mixedish and blackish, but you know, doesn't have a, an all black drama. Now, I could right. be wrong about that. But as far as I know, as a I'm regular sure that- watcher of all the channels and all their programming, there's yeah. no black drama on ABC. So this so would probably, be it. Probably the closest. Is Grays, right? Is Grays. Yeah. But G- Meredith Grey is still the lead and the narrator right. of that right. show in the face of it. And she's as white as the day is long, like me. But at least the show knows that. Yes, so- definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, it is true. I, I, you know, I will. I love Grey's Anatomy. Thinking about it makes me emotional. Oh, I know so you're you're its number one it. fan, as far as yeah. I know. Sir, I, honestly, I I like worship Shonda Rhimes. I think even if you don't like her work, I think she's like she is worthy of of idolatry, in my opinion. Anyway, um, so I I do think that there was something, there was a missed opportunity here, and yet. I did think that there was something fascinating about the conversation that 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 we saw that took place um almost despite itself or in spite yeah. of itself. So so there's just like it's just so um complex. Like there's even even if this like really fell short in so many ways of being like an actually productive hour of television. And that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. I was like was this productive? Is was this like a good use? Hmm of an hour because to say it was like good or bad. I don't even know what that means with like what was addressed and like, yeah, it's undeniably a terrible season of the bachelor. Like there was no character depth. There's no connection to these people. I think that off, off, um, I guess like off screen, I don't even know how to put it, but like off screen developments so deeply overshadowed the season because there were so little substance in the season. And that's like just undeniable. So I think we can just accept this was like an all time bad season of the bachelor and Hmm. Matt got screwed over. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. 
When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, it means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. How do you how do you account for that? Like what? Like what, what explains it? Like what explains that this guy got the worst bachelor season? I think one thing that we've taken for granted as Bachelor Nation is that when they recycle people through the system, you are given an origin story. So it's like mm-hmm. When we go into these next seasons of the Bachelorette with Katie and with Michelle, there's like or there is um, some character development already. So mm, even if we know mm-hmm. very little about like Michelle's day to day life or Katie's day to day life, there's like a framework that you bring to the table of like mm-hmm. Michelle was the runner up and she's like the sweet teacher from Minnesota and we really loved her relationship with her parents and their relationship with each other and Katie is sex positive and she brought a vibrator on night one and like okay I, <laughs> I've seen that yeah <laughs> so Matt had none of that backstory like at all and I now realize how much work their their time as contestants does for advancing the narrative of the next season I I, mm-hmm. it, I shouldn't have been so hard for me to put that together but it was really clear that they didn't know how to like develop characters without the fabricated drama and trauma of being a contestant mm-hmm. um so I think there's that. And then I think that you just cannot ignore that there is not, there's no one or not enough people behind the scenes who know how to tell the story of a black man or just to like decide how to make this um, formerly anonymous black man a central figure on television on Monday nights for 12 weeks out of the year. Like that's just not, I, I think that like we joke about how stupid reality TV is, but there is real like, you know, like there is like real creative decisions that go into making good television oh, shows. It's an art form, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. And there's no one, there was no one on the show who was equipped to do that. And so I think then then Emmanuel Acho was asked to sort of like be the shepherd of like telling mm-hmm. Matt's postscript. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this is that I think Emmanuel Acho is really interesting choice. Um because he used this word and you've used this word and there's a real emphasis on reconciliation. Right. And right. I, I, you know, you wrote a piece over the summer in the times, um, where you work, check out still processing new season starts, uh, today. Thursday. Yeah. The yeah. episode will be released. Uh, check out still processing the New York times podcast with Wesley and Jenna Wortham. But you wrote about reconciliation should be televised and you were not exactly prescriptive in what that should be, but like really interrogated and suggested that like the networks together do some kind of, um, you know, event on television that goes towards this work of not just like identifying the Black Lives Matter movement and systemic racism dating back to, you know, 1619, but really um, talking about how I move forward in like concrete ways. And so I was curious, like how you perceive this through the lens of televising reconciliation. I mean, I think in my, you know, I have my, I took notes while I watched um, and I wrote it in here somewhere. Uh <sighs> Anyway, I was immediate. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wrote this. This is underscore a sort of truth and reconciliation, and it is. And it didn't really hit me until you know Rachel comes out and Emmanuel Acho has he talks to her about about what she did wrong, and then Matt 
wait, I can't remember if Matt is physically present for this, but when at some point he, I know he's not there for this, but he, I, I felt like Acho's role with Rachel was to explain to America. I mean, as much for her sake as, as for his own way of looking at things, which I mean, we can say, I can involve myself in this in a minute, but like basically what he wants America to understand is, you know, there's a couple like, I don't know if he made these things up on the spot um, or whether he uh, brought them with him as things he wanted to emphasize. But one of them was this idea that, um, you know, history is, is a history is a thing you remember and not all history is a thing you celebrate. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a version of it. I'm paraphrasing a thing that he actually said. Mm-hmm. To Rachel. Um, but as much to America. And that quote I have seen circulate a lot on social media. There, he right. had a few a few quotes. That one and the, which Van and I discussed, which I'm curious for your take on as well, where he says, I'm aware that by being on television today, I could be the only black person that some people encounter. And I think those are the two moments. That one that- I don't really even get. I mean, I understand what he actually means, but why? What's okay? All right. Let's come. Let's come back to that. But I will okay. just say that I think very much those are the two quotes that have been circulating um, as a result of of what you know he delivered them in ways that they became like um, like Instagram quotes essentially. Right. Exactly. And he he isn't even really saying them to her. Although it was interesting to watch her, you know, kind of. Him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she was mm-hmm. like, "Yes, yes, that is what I've been trying to say about well, myself." <laughs> she she read his book, which I know because she Instagrammed it with a green tea in her hand, which I found oh. incred- incredibly shallow and disingenuous. But well, she and I have something in common. <laughs> I think a lot of people have read his book. Emmanuel Acho oh, yeah, is a like, bestseller. It's a yeah, bestseller. Yes, it's a, it was a huge hit. I just want to be clear. I like Emmanuel Acho. I don't. I don't know a ton about him, but I. I was like, I'd like to spend more time with this man. I'm going to watch more of his web series. But anyway, carry on. I did not close that book feeling that way about him. Okay. Um, I didn't dislike him, but I mean, I I came out, I went in neutral, came out neutral. I think he's just got, he's got a real screen presence in a way of a natural performer. He does. I would say that his, his very expensive Isaiah suit. Uh, that did not fit at all. Did That kind of compromised his screen presence a little bit. And somebody <laughs> has to find him a pair of socks. The, uh, the, the rise of the turtleneck underneath the blazer is just not something I'm interested in. It's like, I need a Sex in the City episode to address this. It's rampant and yes. bad. No, I will say just parenthetically about tailoring. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a lucky, 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 lucky person. I get to have my suits made. Wonderful experience. Um, when I first started seeing my tailor, to go to Hong Kong for that, or you got someplace local? I just, I just, I just go to Midtown Manhattan. Nice. Um, and a place in Brooklyn. Um, (laughs) but one of the things that both these tailors, like you know, when I'm getting fitted, he's like, you know, they're both adamant about things they will not be doing. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is giving me a tight ass suit. Like they just won't give me, they won't give me a suit that like, because a lot of guys come in here and they want to like show off their bodies. Well, you should be wanting to show off a suit that fits and not something that's going to rip when you sit down. And that's, that's just the truth. It's just true. <laughs> you don't want a thing that looked like, that looks like it's going to split open. And and that was a little bit stressful for me watching Emmanuel Acho. I just also was like, it, does he like how this fits? I was like, is, like, is this the look that he wants? I, I don't know. I was also like, is this spandex? Because it, it was so confusing that like other material could hug I, I his body that, that way. I wondered if that, if, if the company that makes that suit um, has a couple like stretchy material. Yeah, I think they have. A, I wonder if they do. Let's um, get back to reconciliation yes, televised. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I wanted to discuss this as well, but I I you know this is something you've committed a lot of time to, and it, as I was watching, it occurred to me that I was like, this is like weirdly maybe a step yes. in the direction of what Wesley has been calling for. This is exactly a version of what that would look like. I think the, un, you know, the, 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 the weird thing is that it feels to me, and I wonder if many other people feel this way. And I think Acho sort of, uh, the other thing I was going to say that he brings up in talking about what um, Rachel did was that he wanted to make it clear that r- a race, 
a racial, a, a, what is what was this term? A racial insensitivity. Oh yeah, a racial insensitivity is not the same as racism. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no racist intent with Rachel, um, but I mean, he wanted to make that clear. And it's, it's a distinction that I find worth making in terms of like you know what what is what is an actual um, you know harm being done to people, and what is it's like, like malice aforethought. Right, exactly. Um, like, if you tell this person that if you do, if you basically do to Rachel what was done to Rachel, which is like, hey, you were partaking in a pretty racist event. Um, do you feel like, do you understand why that was, a, why that was racist? Or wh- like, what, what about that event would be perceived by people to be an act of racism or yeah. like a perpetuation of racism? And um, I thought she actually had a, genuine and again constructive response where he was like you knew you were going on the show did you worry about these photos yes yes, and she was like to be honest it never occurred to me that they were a problem and that is probably like as honest as it gets from her right yeah but i would say that there was a better question to be asked Mm. right and this is the thing that i think is lost in this conversation about you know, because at some point when Matt comes out, Acho's other job is to be like, well, yo, like, is there no forgiveness in your heart? Is there no <laughs> way to see that this person might not be as bad as you think she is? Is there any way that there, that, you know, you could see her doing this work and then, and then just finding a way to be with her again? Mm-hmm. And the real question there, and the thing that I'm, I'm almost certain Matt James is thinking is, well, it's not really about her. <laughs> it's not about the work she's going to do because the thing, the real question is what kind of world did she live in? Mm-hmm. What kind, I mean, she wasn't the only person in that photograph. These are like some of her girlfriends, I'm assuming. Yeah, like, I think it's like her like sorority sisters or whatever. Right. So, I mean, what what are what are those other women saying about this event? I mean, are they still speaking to her? Is she still speaking to them? Uh, yeah, and also her her family, I think, has, is is or like Trump supporters, like her father, his, his donations, you know, they're public and he like donated to like win red or whatever. And she's sure she's from, you know, as we all learn from watching election returns in our one week of watching, um, Jake Tapper and Abby is it Phillip, Forsyth County. She's from Forsyth County. Oh no. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I just all like, right. I think of Jake Tapper and Abby Phillip every time I think about <laughs> Rachel now, because like I would have no context for Forsyth County were it not for this, you know, this agony oh. awaiting the Georgia returns. I've spent some time in Georgia and I've been to Forsyth County. Oh boy. And that's where she, and that's where she's from. And I actually, I'm glad that you bring this up. Like who are the people in her life? And like, what is her world like? Because I, I think that that another problem, I think systemically with the show is that they don't have enough people behind the scenes to be like, it's not just the problem that we're not giving Matt this information that she was in these mm-hmm. photos, but giving mm-hmm. her, giving mm-hmm. him the context of where she's from. And how mm-hmm. to consider a life with her would be to consider a life among a really unwelcoming and racist family and world, probably. But Juliet, where's he from? <laughs> he's from Raleigh. Uh, he's from Raleigh. Charlotte. Okay. Raleigh. All right. Charlotte. So he, he, I said Charlotte, and I've been told he's from Raleigh. His 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 handle is Matt James nine one nine. I've been told nine one nine is the exchange for Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay, so I feel like. And, you know, you and I have, have both, you know, well, (laughs) I have been in relationships with people of other races. I think it's important to, (laughs) I don't want to throw your business all out in the street. (laughs) (laughs) My business is fine. My business is fine, but, but, but you you need, you do you. Okay. Um, Carry on. I feel like. There is a due diligence. I mean, I know Matt James can't be responsible for finding out the backgrounds of each and every one of these women. No. But when you get down to three or four, the last three or four, aren't there some questions you want to ask? Well, he said he didn't ask the questions. I mean, I got is, that out of him, which was crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. It doesn't like, make any sense. Of course, you're not ready to get married. You're not asking the real world questions, man. These are the questions. And like when he says to her, I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for Matt James. I truly do. Those silences, however manufactured they were by ABC, felt real. 
Oh, yeah. And the anguish on his face. I mean, he looked like he'd aged five years. Yeah. And that beard. The beard, to me, was the most important development in that hour of TV. Okay, let's get into it. I don't know where it came from. A man who, just want to note, wrote extensively and beautifully, made me cry about his mustache that he's still sporting. So carry on. I just feel like this beard is such a signifier of (sighs) simultaneous resistance and anger, but also a little bit of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, it is un. It's like it's not a. It's not a kept beard, right? They they put a lot of oil in it before he went out, so it's like it had a had a gleam to it. Mm-hmm. But that is that is not a glamour beard. That is a resistance beard. Um, mm-hmm. that is a that is a beard of contrition. I mean, as much as one can like wear a hair shirt on his on their face, like the beard to me signified, um. This combination of chagrin and and a and a like a blackness that that was resistant to whatever the person to his to his right was offering him, basically. Right. Right. That night. And I feel like um he there's something about the the one of the unfortunate things about racism is that it makes you aware of your blackness in a negative way Mm. as opposed to it being, I mean, I'm not saying this is true of Matt James, but like in the narrative of the show, it seems to me that like his blackness becomes an issue when there's racism introduced. Right. Um, And the way that he handles this breakup with Rachel is as a black man breaking up with a white woman on the, on the issue of, of of what Emmanuel Lacho would say, a racial incident, right? A racial insensitivity. Um, and that, to me, is not the relationship I think Black people should be wanting to have with their Blackness. Mm-hmm. Like, either you have no relationship with it, or it's forged in a thing other than, it's forged in something other than, you know, this negative encounter with your with your Black self. But anyway, he is talking to her about, her not understanding him as a black man, but I would like to know, I mean, you've watched more of the show than, I mean, you've watched the show. I have not watched, I didn't watch very many hours of this at all. How many conversations were they having about his being a black man in the first place? I mean, on the show? Yeah. They did like a perfunctory sit down with Chris Harrison in the season premiere, which was horrible and just incredibly, not just cringeworthy, but like offensive. Mm. Um, How so? He was just talking about it was just it, like I said, it was like perfunctory and it was mm. sort of like bizarre to have that conversation with Chris Harrison where mm-hmm. he was like, you know, I'm the first black bachelor. I'm biracial. Um, and it just felt really shallow and just mm-hmm. like, like I said, sort of obligatory and of mm-hmm. no depth. And and I think that like maybe I'm like, wow, Manuel Acho, good job. It's just because it's like so much better than where we started the season. However, sure. the season has been a tire fire and the fact that we're at this place is like insane. But yeah. that was really rough. I, I think the other thing that is um, too bad is that Matt also said that he talked about race with the other women of color on the show, but not with the white women, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, when did he Rachel. say that? In, you know, three of three of, he said that, um, on the with Emmanuel Acho, he Emmanuel Acho was that. asking him okay. about like should or I think it was Emmanuel Acho, maybe it was on GMA if you missed it, and he's talking to Michael Strahan. But yeah, um, I don't I don't think he said that to Acho. Oh, then it was to Michael Strahan on GMA, which I, by the way, Matt just seemed like completely just it's like he had survived like Dresden. I mean, it, it was just wow. really yeah, it was I really mean, sad. It's really I really feel for him. I hope he's okay. Anyway, he said that he didn't ask enough questions and he really only talked about like race as with the women of color and not with the white women um and i forgot what forgot why i brought this up oh you're asking about how much they talk about matt's blackness they really didn't talk about it a lot and so when they did it it was like not really about his but like this woman they they did try to talk about hair which i found to be like white people watched like a few like things about blackness like they watched like a few documentaries or whatever and saw the song from sesame street and decided to like make that a talking point because chelsea mm. tells a story about her cutting she, she was the woman who um had a shaved head and she yeah. talks about shaving her head apparently matt had responded to that moment by talking about his own ex- like relationship to his hair but they didn't show it and then when his brother arrives this week 
his brother like is like asked him about his waves and like looks at his hair and i and i was just like okay so the what are they trying to like message to us here by showing that like one small moment between Matt and his brother? And so I felt like Wait, that was, was the like brother the surprised the that Matt had waves or like Matt was doing a good job at maintaining his waves. Good job maintaining them. Okay. Okay. I mean, cause it's a lot of work as a former wave. I, just, I, and, <laughs> I, I can't speak to that, but I just, as a, as a viewer of the show, as a white viewer of the show was like, this feels to me like how they're trying to like account for Matt being black mm-hmm, without mm-hmm, being like Matt mm-hmm. is black. And maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm reading too much into that. I don't know, but that was sort of my perception of it. And I think that a lot has been said by other people um, that they try to portray Matt as a black man in a non-threatening way. So it's sort of like as the first black bachelor or sort of like, how do you have a, yeah. a black bachelor that like white America is comfortable with? And so that really sacrificed a lot of probably what could have been more meaningful conversations. Cause if he was talking about being in a biracial or a black relationship with these women, like why didn't they show that? That's like really right. that, right. that would have been substantive. That would have been showing who these people are. But I think, I mean, getting back to this idea of truth and reconciliation, I think one of the things that a show like the bachelor has the potential to do that is potentially harmful is that it 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 gets at the thing that a movie like Get Out is trying to to like wave its arms about with with interracial mm-hmm. relationships, right? Which is that there's always this concern that there is a thing lurking. There's another shoe that's going to drop. That you know, you're going to find something out about this woman that you're about to marry or getting very serious with and that thing is going to definitely be about your blackness and either her secret opposition to it or something in her past that 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 is an affront to it or you know even worse which is what happens in get out but like the the thing about get out that's so important to even you know just think about culturally is it really does tap into this societal paranoia about what goes on in interracial relationships mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because in in a lot of cases, you know, one of the thing, one of the hurdles you have to get past is where the two of you stand on your on your respective races. Right. And I mean, it's not a thing that has to happen. I mean, it's a thing that happens in in intraracial couples too. <laughs> but sure. it's definitely a thing that that's important. It's definitely a thing in the United States that's gonna come up. In, 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 in all likelihood, especially in, in 2020, 2021, um, about where the two of you stand on X, X issues. And also, where do your respective families stand? Where do right. your friends stand? What are, you, right. what, are you, what are you marrying into? What are you engaging with when you, when you, you know, get engaged to somebody? Right. And he, and he clearly, it, he knew he wasn't ready. His mom showed him he wasn't ready to be, engaged and it's and it's clear he wasn't asking the right questions bt nope. dubs this is a total side note but like he was like rubbing his mom's leg the way that he does with all the other women did you catch that it was super weird i did not notice that it and was weird i don't weird. I, things like that make that just made me uncomfortable okay it was weird it was awkward is his mother is his mother black she's white okay her okay. name is patty okay. patty james i think um, um his father is black his father was on last week and okay. it was an exploitative scene where they, they made his father seem like this like absentee dad. And Oh Jesus Christ. It was rough. There's me and Rachel talking about it. Check out the episode. Um, I mean, why I want, is Chris Harrison going to be the person who loses his job over this? Why is he the only person who might lose his? I hope he's, he's not going to lose his not. job. He's not going to lose his job. Not positive. He'll come back in the same degree. I don't know what will happen. Honestly, I don't think they know. They mm. they they got a mess. Um, I want to come back to the comment about uh, that Emmanuel Acho made, where he said that when he's on television, he's aware that he might be the only black person that some people encounter on a mm-hmm. given day, mm-hmm. which Van found to be outrageous. I'm curious what your response is to that, and I'll tell you why I ask. Um, I it 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 struck me as being gratuitous. Um. And I don't exactly know what that was intent. I mean, I think that was that that comment was made in the context of a very classical black person dilemma, which is that you know, as a black person, that you you know, it's it's as old as as freed black people. It's as old as enslaved black people. Your comportment 
in in a in a white country, in a white space, in a, any sort of white environment, um, your comportment matters. Your comportment is probably the thing that is going to keep you more alive than anything. Then you know it's it's the it's the it's in it's directly proportional to your blackness, your comportment, and it's the thing that's going to keep you from you know in in at the you know at the turn of the of the of the 19th century into the 20th it was a thing that was that could potentially keep you from being lynched right i mean there wasn't a whole lot that could um but it's this it's this ongoing question that black people bring with them when they when they succeed right which is how palatable am i going to make myself to the people around me um not only to, in order to advance but in order to live you know, right, and I that is where that conversation started, and Matt Matt James talks about that, um, and then Acho is sort of he he receives the baton from from Matt James, and I and he takes it to this place where like, I mean, it's not unreasonable to think that you are representing black people in any in any given space you go into where there aren't that many black people, um, but. Um, what is Van? What was? What exactly was Van's? Well, I, I don't. I, I bring it up not to like say I disagree with Van or you. No, I, no, no. I'm actually just curious. Van Van was saying that he was like, I just sort of like reject that. He's like Barack Obama was the president for eight years, and it's like go right. outside. Like this is America. Like talk and encounter a black person, and sort right. of rejected that notion that that could be true for a lot of people. I mean, I, I hear that. I just, I guess I'm, there's probably a better way for Emmanuel Acho to have put that um, because it did sound like one of his functions is at least as far as he imagined it for himself or as far as, you know, he was, he was directed into, into taking things was to kind of conciliate mm-hmm. um, and to um, make, is to, like to be a sort of palliative for skeptical white people, concerned white people, um, white people who don't exactly understand what was so bad about going to, you know, an antebellum plantation in right. in an antebellum, you know, plantation, you know, antebellum era costumes right. and taking selfies. It just, you know, he was he was meant to sort of um, defuse the situation in some ways by by saying things like that, right. And we'll, we'll kind of come back to like what's next for televised reconciliation. But I just say that I, I bring it up because I do think that 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 reminded me that comment. I think that, you know, I totally the sort of a commentary about specifically how black people are in white spaces and how they interact with white people. I don't think I can speak to obviously in the same way, but I, I it did remind me of how warping this show is and it's probably like specific also to people who cover it like me but it's it's so much warps my standards of of like aesthetics in a way where i'm just mm. sort of like i for i forget that like most people are not as beautiful as the people who are on the bachelor mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they just sort of reminded me not that that necessarily emmanuel Acho is right or or whatever but just that like people do watch this show, especially in the last year, like almost in isolation where mm-hmm, it's sort of like, mm-hmm. this becomes representative of humans and it, it, because they're as like a proxy for actually interacting with humans. Right. And right. it's so false and so warping that I, I thought that like that kind of like resonated with me because it reminded me of how much this like pedals a picture of something. And that picture is usually so false. And so it's like, like the way that that the show chooses to portray i think women in particular is oh sure yeah i don't know that's sort of a convoluted response but no 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 reminded me of it well i think that to the extent that i'm i'm inclined to give uh manuel lacho the benefit of the doubt on on you know what was you know i would say a fairly benign observation um but it's something that like white people can be like, you're right. Good point. Or like, it's just, sort yeah, of, no, no, no. I'm like, with Van on that. But I would say conversely, I think the thing that is like getting Asian Americans in this country or Asian people of, you know, Asian people, period, um, American and otherwise, you know, the thing that is getting them murdered and spit on and, and, and slurred is a complete 
lack of of exposure to them. You know, mm-hmm. a complete um, otherization and service orientation toward toward them. Um, where you know our popular culture, our American popular culture, has no place for Asian people. Right. And the I think that the idea that I mean, to the extent that this stuff is powerful and that it means something, these questions of representation, I think seeing no Asian people in your TV diet is, it makes it so much easier to think that they're other, that they're like these, these, you know, aliens when somebody with the power of a president or, you know, a cable news show can demonize them in a way and make them think, make other people think, susceptible people think that these people are here to take something, to destroy things, to infect people. Um, That the reason you're suffering is because, I mean, it's just, it's terrible. And part of the antidote to that is just seeing these people in your lives. If they're not, if they're not in your friend networks or in your family, like having them be in your cultural diet. I just feel right. like it's just, it's terrible. And I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I feel like that ship has kind of sailed with black people in some ways. I mean, it's kind of to Van's point, like, <laughs> where have you been? I know. <laughs> where, I know. And that's part of the, the bachelor is just this weird, like other planet that like, for some reason, so many people visit every week. Uh, it's super, it's super weird to think about how the show is like this force on network television. But I think the thing that's really powerful about it is that, and the thing that makes it, I don't know if necessary is the right word, but I just find that it's been 25 seasons of this show, correct? Of The Bachelor, yes. And um, I think 15 or 14, 16 or 15 Bachelorette seasons, I can't remember. And they just reinforce the same problems that have existed in this country since its essential inception. Mm-hmm. And this is not a show that from its outset or at any prior point really before the last three or four years has felt any responsibility to change people's ideas about these issues, these yeah. questions, these, 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 like how black people are worthy of and capable of romance that Asian people have libidos too, that, you know what I mean? That, that, you know, that all of the races are all attractive and, you know, desirable and, and sexy. And the show is not about race, but of course it is. It's not up to the task. I think that's obvious. Right. And like, or it hasn't been, and I don't know how to square that. Cause I'm just like, I don't, it's similar to the NFL. I'm just like the bachelor cannot handle the weight of race and reconciliation. I think that Emmanuel Acho tried. But and- yeah, I, I I hear that, but I don't know. But see, this is the thing that winds up happening, let, right? I don't mean to let off the hook. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I know. I know. But I just feel like the thing that also sucked about Emmanuel Acho coming on and like and doing maintenance work, janitorial services for this show mm-hmm. is that it exon it doesn't exonerate the show, but guess what the show gets to do in the in that at the end of that that after the rose. It's episode, like look, right? we're doing yep. the work. <laughs> we've not only that, but like we've got two bachelorettes in a row coming. We're not even going to have a bachelor season for a couple of years. No, like, they will. They will. They will have the bachelor. They'll still just, find a way. Okay, they're well, they're adding this in. Yeah. Okay. They, they would never, never give the bachelor. It's a cash cow. But I would say that there is. The show itself, what is the show itself going to do to save itself from itself in so many ways, right? Because they could have found those pictures. <laughs> yeah. Well, they might not want to find those pictures because this, I don't, you know, there's some people that think they just don't want to find them, but I don't know. I don't know if the show does, honestly. I, I, I think it needs a real overhaul behind the scenes and it needs... Oh, I- but that's been true for years, right? Yeah. When they, you, when I, that, what, I actually what, have many ideas what the show does. We actually, oh, you, we've I, talked I, about I've, this. I've got a lot of ideas. Yeah, but they just need to inject some true reality into it. You can still have the fantasy. No reality show is truly reality, except for like 
I don't know. I, I can't even think of one off the top of my head, but they just need to inject <laughs> something something more realistic from 2021 into it. But Wesley, what do you what happens next for televised reconciliation? Because I I'm invested in this. I think that you're right. And I think it's a really intriguing idea. And I actually do appreciate that the bachelor like set forth sort of a kernel of an idea of how to execute what you wrote about. So like what happens next? Well, I mean, I think there are two things, right? Like I feel like the two big, I mean, I don't know if they're the two big television events of the last couple of weeks, but like, they are. I think that between, between Meghan Markle's and, and, and Prince Harry's Oprah interview, which, you know, I mean, Oprah did a lot of the, you know, similar, she did similar sign posting to what Emmanuel Olacho did, but she, you know, she was more expert at it because, yeah. I mean, she's more experienced at this than than he is at this point. Career experience. I will say Oprah is was absolutely crushed it in many ways. But like one thing I really like love when it surfaces on television and in pop culture is when it's very clear that experience pays off. Where it's like Oprah is not just like some rando friend. She you could I don't I don't know a ton about about how this came to be, but you could like probably make the case that like Oprah has been working on sources for years, like working towards that. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh let's yeah. Give her, I mean, I want to, I just like, I want to give her credit as a journalist and like someone who's oh. like cultivate these relationships. It's just what I'm trying to say. But she does all of the work on the, on the back end or mm-hmm. on the front end. So that when she's in, in situ, so to speak, all she's really doing is asking these very obvious questions and then reacting as hugely as possible. She's performing, she's telling the audience how to feel yeah. about these things that they might not be sure how to how they should feel about, right? You know, mm-hmm. I just the the telegraphing of the thing. I mean, that's the I mean, in my piece, she is the person that I that yes, I you, that you I wrote Oprah. She is the person who I think is best, you know, based on our relationship with this person and her her, you know, her own relationship to to what a truth and reconciliation conversation should should how it should proceed. But I also think that she just has this facility with all kinds of people, whether she likes them or not. And she is open to hearing what people have to say, either to enlighten or unburden or you know, explain themselves. I think the questions that she asks Matt and Rachel about their relationship are just so much different than what we got the other night because I think she has a lifetime of of asking these sorts of questions under her belt. Now, it's entirely possible Emmanuel Acho spends the rest of his life now doing a kind of televised relationship counseling, right? Um, but the one thing that that conversation with, the, with those... With, you know, with with first with Michelle and then with Rachel and then with Matt and then with the, you know, Rachel and Matt, what that pointed to to me was, you know, this is what a kind of wreck. I mean, it, there is there's a thing that happened, right? There is an acknowledgement that the thing that happened was wrong. That's the truth. And then you get the aggrieved party and the offending party together to talk about how to go forward. And that's the reconciliation part. And so in that sense, this after the rose ceremony televised event is exactly the sort of thing that is exactly the sort of thing that I think televised truth and reconciliation looks like on a much grander, um, deeper scale. But maybe, but, but, you know, it's these little incidents like this that break people's hearts nonetheless, right? If, Mm -hmm. you know, this was enough for this guy to just be like, I can't do this. And it was enough, you know, what happened to Harry and Meghan was enough for, for Meghan to want to leave the empire or to like, mm-hmm. to advocate for herself to get out of there. Um, and I do think that, you know, the ways in which we as, the, you know, Black Americans are marrying into, and not just Black Americans, all, all Americans who don't want to deal with a denial of, of, of assorted legacies in this country... Um, or if you're in England, England, but you know, it's, it's important that she's an American, right? Yeah. It's an important she, that she's an she American who, who will not be putting up with it. She, I mean, I can get this here. Right. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not going to England. I'm not marrying into that. I can marry into that right here. Well, what she can get here that she can't get there is she can, she can get the celebrity 
on her own terms here that she cannot mm-hmm. get there because mm-hmm. the royal family will always be the top celebrities mm-hmm. in England, mm-hmm. at least for as long for as long as the monarchy is that exists. a cynical view of this? Or I mean, I'm not asking. I'm not saying that you're being cynical, but I mean, is that a cynical way to look at this? Which is that ultimately the other thing that we're talking about is a power struggle between the royal family and this woman. I think to not acknowledge that she had ambitions beyond being a figurehead, a, a, like sort of second tier figurehead mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm, English monarchy mm-hmm. is to like, is to ignore her very obvious ambition. And I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that. So if there's okay. a power no, I, struggle, I, I, if there's a I power agree. struggle there, it wouldn't surprise me, but she clearly wanted to push the envelope with, with what the Royal family is and, and who she is as the public figure from the beginning. She, right. Their right. their wedding was very different than than Will and Kate's. I mean, she had a, a gospel choir. <laughs> there was no choir at Will and Kate's wedding. Yeah, and you want to know whose wedding was a way like a, like way more fun seemingly to attend? Meghan and Harry's. I mean, I don't know. I the austerity of Westminster Abbey doesn't do it for me personally. The pomp and circumstance of a global event does. I like. Right. I love a royal wedding for that reason because I like a global event. But um, I don't know. So I I think. You know, I I don't know if it, if it's cynical to say that she can have the same level of fame in the U.S. that having to be part of the royal family, but I think it's okay to acknowledge her ambition to be famous and to be big. Right. Um, can I ask another question before we mm-hmm. go? Um, was was Matt's line a thing? Did that become a thing when when Acho asks her? I don't know if this is what he says after Acho asks for the hug. Um, requests them to hug. I mean, horrible. Um, but at some point in that area of the broadcast, Matt says the following: "I don't want to be emotionally responsible for your tears." Mm-hmm. I mean, the only time I thought about letting my eyes well up was right there, because that was that's deep and true. I would say that was incredibly honest. I think yes. that like Emmanuel Acho's lines were delivered for Instagram specifically. And Matt, I think is sorting through how he feels about a lot of this. And that was really honest. And it doesn't surprise me based on what we do know about Matt, which is like, it does not seem like Matt is looking for a really heavy relationship right now. He, everything I know about him seems like he likes to have fun and I do not blame him for that at all. And I think that is that gets to the heart of a lot of this. What Van and I were joking about it, like this quote unquote doing the work is like Matt's like, I don't have work to do. You do. So I'm not taking that on. And like, and then, of course, like whatever the work is, we can joke. We can both seriously and joke about. But I, I that did not become a thing. And I think it did not become a thing because it's too real. It's not mm. easily packaged mm. up mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. an Instagram mm-hmm. quote. It's not easily packaged up for explaining the way forward on reconciliation. It's not, it is so, it's so much realer than history is meant to be remembered, not ce- some history is meant to be remembered, not celebrated. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't, it, I mean, reconciliation, just to be clear for people who think that, I mean, not, I know you don't think this, Julia, but I just like in, in, in saying, in explaining why I think that that line is so powerful is that, and like useful is that reconciliation isn't about forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. It's about reconciling that this thing this thing happened and what we are reconciling to do is move forward. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, maybe even together, but not necessarily, but it's moving forward. And what he was not letting her do was, he wasn't letting her be exonerated for what she had done, right? It doesn't, like, the work doesn't end with this conversation. The, the work begins with this conversation, right? Right. And I'm not responsible for whatever this is right here. I'm not going to let you faint your way out of this problem, cry your way out of this problem, quit your job your way out of this problem. You got to do the work. And I don't even care if you do it. I'm over here. Yeah. (laughs) She's just sort of like, I'm tapping out and I would. I'm reconciled. I I bet her, I bet her family and her friends are a problem for him. And I bet that. See, Clado. Yes. Oh my goodness. If you want to hear more from Wesley, check out Still Processing, new season right now. Um, Wesley, thank you so much for, for having this conversation with me. And oh, sure. Also, check out his, um, we'll put it in the show notes, but um, definitely go back and read his piece from July about 
reconciliation and how to televise it. And I will be back on Monday. I think we're going to talk a little F1, Drive to Survive, the Netflix show that I love so dearly. Oh, Coming back. my God. Talk I'm, about racism. It's a, <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> Christ. <laughs> but you want to know what? Lewis Hamilton, one of the greatest celebs we have. So I'm excited to talk about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, old structures. I mean, F1 is a whole thing. But um, I don't even we're going to do with that. Great show. We will discuss it. And Wesley, thank you so much. And Matt, thinking of you and hoping that you are having a good day. Thanks so much, me, everybody. Me too. Good luck on your journey, Juliet. <laughs> I'm doing the work. Journey. I'm doing the work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.